This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, February the 21st. I'm your host, D.A., and on Wednesday night, unfortunately, the college basketball world had the wrong types of tremors. We were watching two top 10 teams, UNC and Duke, at a game on ESPN in a primetime window where the entire nation knew this was the game thus far of the college basketball regular season. And on top of it, the NBA has not started up its second half of the post-All-Star break season yet. And so all eyes on Cameron Indoor Stadium, a crowd that included Spike Lee and former President Barack Obama on hand to watch Zion Williamson. And Zion, in the first 36 seconds, buckles his knee, goes down awkwardly, his foot slips through the sneaker, his Nike sneaker explodes, and he's taken out of the game. After the game, Coach K would say it was a mild knee sprain, but we're still waiting for more official word on an MRI. And so, with UNC not having to deal with the Zion Williamson, the Duke Blue Devils seemed stunned the entire night and never recovered. The North Carolina Tar Heels win going away on the road at Cameron, not usually how this thing unfolds. Here's the Mac attack on WFNZ in Charlotte as they talk to former Blue Devil Gerald Henderson. With Zion out, was that the reason UNC won so easily? Gerald Henderson is is, is uh, riding around town and he's listening to the conversation and the former Duke Blue Devil uh, and uh, and uh, Charlotte NBA hoops player wants to jump in here and put his two cents in. Gerald, thanks for calling in, man. We need some expertise on this show. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was driving my daughter to school, and I just had to call in and uh, and be a savior here for a second. I'm trying to keep it fair and balanced where I think you can't say it's the only reason, but for Tar Heel fans acting like it didn't play any role in the game, that feels very unfair, too. What do you think about the loss of Zion in this game? Like Roy Williams said, um, you know, it was a huge, it was a huge blow for Duke, but it was it was just a big of a of a shift for Carolina. I mean, once you see the other team's best player, like one of one of the world's best players, go out of the game, I mean, it gives you a huge boost. Especially Luke May, who had an incredible game, um, but things changed for for Carolina probably more than they changed for Duke. Um, you know, the anticipation and the the. The mood in that arena last night was like nothing I've ever seen in any basketball game ever. Like, it was incredible, especially two minutes before the game when Obama (laughs) walks into the building and everyone just goes crazy. They were like, okay, we're ready to go. And then from 1930 on, 
it was like, you know, we we're trying to give Duke some boots because it just took everything out of the air. So what what I heard from Coach, I didn't hear the whole press conference. I'm not sure if, uh, if, he, if he mentioned something about um, how well Carolina did play, and they did play really well. Um, but, you know, he should have if he didn't. But um, Yeah, he did. He definitely know, did. Yeah, I, I that's really that would I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him not to say how well they played. Do you think we can draw conclusions? Like, did the game make you think more of Carolina's chances in March, and and does it make you think any less of Duke? I kind of feel like maybe it should make us think more of Carolina, but certainly not less of Duke in March if Zion's healthy. What do you think? Well, I don't know. You know, I I think that there is a you know like when Zion goes out like that, there's a there's a thing that you really you can't see. Right, but you can feel that changes that whole thing. Had 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 Duke maybe known two days ago that Zion wasn't going to play, right? It, it it may have been a different outcome because the feel is like of of depression, like right as you right as as the nineteen thirty second mark goes off. You know, it's like a it's something you think about. If you give them two days to think about it, that game's going to go differently. Yeah. Not to say that Duke would win. But, um, you know, the, the, the anticipation of the game from 100 to now 30, you know, when it comes down when he gets hurt, it changes the whole whole face. It gives an element that you can't really predict. Gerald, like in your heart of hearts, do you truly believe if Zion plays, Duke wins the game? I, I think no, no question at all. Um, it's just, you know, not to say that, that Carolina um, – you know, couldn't beat Duke. You can lose any game, but um, you know that kid. That kid was was made literally made for a moment like last night. Like he he embraces uh, those kind of games, that kind of attention, and he does it in a way. And we've seen so far, he does it in a way that's just like unselfish and something that everybody wants to watch. And um, I think that he like takes over a game like that, and maybe we see him play in a way that we've never seen him before. Because I, I really think he was built for that. And yeah, it it is a day. His shoe, his shoe wasn't built for that. You could just see how the body language in that entire gym changed from the fans to the players on the floor, and Duke was just out of it. Dead men walking after the injury and into the second half, and because UNC is so good. They're a top 10 team themselves. They were able to take advantage of it. So many more question marks surrounding this game and this moment. So many more layers to the injury to Zion Williamson. For Zion, the question is, with a knee that's already tweaked, do you come back and try to play? He's already going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft if he doesn't step foot on the court again for Duke. Is there value for Zion to win a Final Four and a national championship with the Blue Devils? Here's the Gary Parrish Show on 92.9 ESPN Radio in Memphis. What the quote-unquote shut-it-down crowd doesn't seem to take into account is that you know there's some real value to what Zion Williamson is doing at Duke. You know When he uh, fell and injured his knee last night, even though we now know it was a minor knee sprain, and um, it will not require surgery. Um, it didn't stop people from saying, but it could have been something major. And that's why he should shut it down. 
because you don't want to risk injury and you should just walk out on this season. Uh, That is to insist that there isn't real value from Zion's perspective to what he's doing, which is maybe having a chance to win a national championship on a massive stage, playing for the biggest brand in college basketball, playing with his friends in a way that he'll never get to play with his friends again. You know, these guys, you know, they, they wanted to go to college together together to do something special, and they're actually doing it. You know, at a level nobody really or very few people anticipated in the preseason. You know, Zion Williamson was a YouTube phenomenon, and he has now turned into a basketball star. But before the season started, he was not projected to be a national player of the year, projected to be the number one pick in the draft. And now all of those things are right there. And to just walk away from it, like that, to, to suggest that he should do that is to suggest that those types of things don't matter to him or shouldn't matter to him. And I just have never thought, or at least for a long time I haven't thought, that it's wise to try to project what it is you think would matter to you if you were in his shoes onto a person who is actually in his own shoes. My go-to line every time is, as long as Zion Williamson knows the pros and cons of everything, or anybody like Zion Williamson knows the pros and cons of everything, um, and what he's risking and what he isn't, then they should be free to do whatever it is they want to do. Anybody insisting Zion's stupid if he doesn't shut it down is very, very myopic on the topic. Um, not to mention he's made a lot of money while playing at Duke. And I don't mean like in a direct deposit way because he is still under the umbrella of amateurism uh, rules that are outdated and, and morally wrong. But there was no guarantee Zion Williamson was going to get like a $100 million contract coming out of Duke before the season started. But because he's turned into this phenom, he's almost certainly going to get a $100 million contract, if not more, um, by playing at Duke. He's helped his profile immensely, his marketing future, incredibly, uh, by spending the past four months playing at Duke. But even if you take that and set it over here, you know he's in a very reasonable position to win a national championship, to be the national player of the year, and to create a lifelong memory. That's that's not worth nothing. And if you are somebody on television or just, you know, at your job, you know, in your office building, screaming that he should shut it down, you're not taking those types of things into account. I'd love to think that there's personal value for Zion to go out there and win a national championship. I'd love to believe that playing college basketball is of some great worth and that bond that he has with his teammates and friends and for that school would be enough. But frankly, if I'm just looking at this from a logical standpoint, I've got to try to convince the number one pick in the draft who's going to be coming back after an injury to risk another injury, which then risks his career and not get paid for it. I got a tough time doing that. I know we all want to see him on the floor, I know we all would love to see him in the NCAA tournament, but is that really the best thing for Zion Williamson? If I'm an advisor for Zion, there's no guarantee you won't re-injure that knee in the next six weeks, which is just the rest of the college basketball season. I would advise Zion not to come back. The morning show on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta with John Fricky and Hugh Douglas also tackled this subject, and they thought Zion should shut it down. I think he should shut it down. 
and, and make a business decision because, Hugh, I, at this point, because you use that term business decision, you know, you got to feed your family kind of thing. I, I think that no, you I have get to, that. Yeah, first I mean, things come first. How does this impact Duke? Duke? For I mean, <laughs> it changes everything for Duke. We all understand that. It does. It does. And and to not have him out there, you could tell it was a different game. It was a different game from well, the beginning. Well, they lost by 16. Man, listen. And not only that, John, it took the air out of the room. It The, the whole – like, at that point, I don't know if it was anybody else – the game had my undivided attention. As soon as he left, I go. I went in there and started doing something else. <laughs> I mean, I watched it, but I'm like, I'm listening. No, I listened to it, but I'm, you know, I'm doing other stuff because it was one of those things that you look at, and he was a big, he was a big part of what he was a big part of what they do. But his, the way that his shoe blew out, man, you have to look at that as a player, uh, and hopefully, again, that he's okay. But you have to look at that, and not only, not only that, John. I might not even wear Nikes for a while. I might not wear Nikes for a while. I don't know if that's the, the team Is that the shoe. team shoe? I don't know if it I'm, – I'm assuming it probably is. But if I'm Coach K, if, I, if I'm Zion and, I'm, and Coach K tell me, hey, man, put no, nah, Coach, I want to – like I might plan something, something else. I might plan some shoes that I've played in before in the past that I know are sturdy. I'm not, I'm not getting nothing new. Not nothing new for a while. It's going to be – I'm going to be a little, little, little uh, superstitious for a while. Carolina didn't have any problems with those Jordans. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I will say that I think that you're looking at Zion Williamson, who I think is the biggest college basketball star in the last at <laughs> least 20 years to come out of college basketball. Uh, he just is he is on a level. We I'm not sure that we have seen a basketball star come out of college basketball as big as he is in terms of his you know potential you know involvement. Uh, since maybe a guy like Patrick Ewing, that was 35 years ago. I mean, it's been a long time since you've had a college basketball star of his magnitude. You've had great players, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, somebody that's so a star that he could drive $3,000, I'm not sure we've ever seen that, period, ever. <laughs> somebody said, DJ Special K said, next next game, Zion playing in some Tims. <laughs> yeah, right? Put out a pair of Timberland boots and hey, lay somebody lock them down. Tims. Right? I, it, it. This this is a bad look. This is a look for Nike. And I understand that everybody on the court probably had on Nike shoes and that this didn't happen to anybody else. But it happened to the number one player in the country. It happened to him. And for them to have this look, Phil Knight needs to be flying into Duke right now. He needs to be on that plane. He should have got on the plane last. He should have been there this morning mm-hmm. at his side talking to him, talking about, man, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened, but we will fix this. There needs to be some press releases today. About all of this, mm-hmm. because this is a bad look for Nike, man. Yeah, it's a bad look. It is, it is a bad look. And Puma should never have pulled down that tweet. I mean, Puma tried to take advantage of this, right? I mean, because you've got guys who are going to Under Armour for shoes. Puma tweeted out, uh, wouldn't have happened in, in the Pumas. Man, ain't nobody wearing no Pumas on the basketball court no more. Them was the what was that Ralph Sampson days. Back in the day, man, ain't nobody wearing no Pumas no more on the court. Nike got it's like, what Nike and Adidas. No, and it, maybe Reebok. Puma's trying to make a comeback. A bunch of NBA players wear them now, but who? DeMarcus Cousins, I believe, is one of them. I, I was I was kidding when I when I said <laughs> that. <AT. laughs> I was I was trying to be funny, but yeah, Puma better get their weight up before they start trying to talk trash. And New them. Balance is getting ready to drop. Oh too. yeah, I did see the New Balance. New Yo, Balance, they're bringing back. it back. Yeah, they're bringing it back. Kawhi. Yeah, like you best believe for Zion, 
Like I'm pretty sure that he was. There was some talks of him potentially being a Nike Nike candidate or a Nike uh, sponsor, well, representative or whatever. People are probably gonna try to take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. They're gonna definitely try to take advantage. Oh, of they're this. not a question. They're gonna try and take advantage. Yeah, they're of gonna this. try to like somebody's gonna try to move in and be like, hey man, you know what? We we guarantee that you're, this will never happen with your shoe or da 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 da. So yeah, it's it's just a bad look because out of all the cats out there that had on Nikes for his shoe mm-hmm. to malfunction, it just kind of makes you go hmm. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's a total bummer. Everybody could understand that. Everybody understands that and realizes that we all want to see Zion on that big stage when it matters most in the NCAA tournament in the Final Four and potentially a national championship game. But again, if you're just simply looking at this from a logic standpoint, before being injured, yeah, of course you want him to go out there and play and compete. But after being injured, with only six weeks left to rehab and get that 100% before you even get paid a dime... I just can't see it. From a football standpoint, we've been talking about A.B., Antonio Brown, and that saga with the Steelers for so long. And A.B.'s been the guy that's looked so bad. Antonio Brown has questioned the front office and the locker room and the organization, saying that there's no checks and balances for the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, and finally, he felt like it was untenable. He had to leave. Now, A.B., throughout all of this, has come off kind of screaming like a madman. And yet, here's Steelers GM Kevin Colbert seemingly validating all of A.B.'s concerns. Colbert went out and said that Ben Roethlisberger can question anybody in the organization, including the general manager, and even cited the rest of the team as 52 kids under Ben Roethlisberger. That's a terrible way to frame it. The Fan Morning Show in Pittsburgh, a 93-7, discussed how it seems like A.B. was right all along. I got some news for you. Uh... Tuesdays at 11 o'clock ain't going anywhere. Still going to be our favorite time uh, of the week. Ben Roethlisberger's radio show ain't going anywhere. Uh, that's for sure. You can complain about it if you're Maurice Jones-Drew, if you're Ryan Clark, if you're whomever, on any national whatever you want to do. Tune right here to 93.7 The Fan at 11 o'clock on Tuesdays because you know what this kind of feels like to me? That maybe even Ben is – in this is where – on all the craziness with Antonio Brown and mm-hmm. all he's done the past couple months, maybe he was right in a way. Maybe Ben does have one foot in the players' room and one foot in the ownership and management room. Maybe Ben is the conduit, because here's the other thing, too. Kevin Colbert is the rare general manager that we don't ever hear from during the season, right? You hear from Jim Rutherford, you hear from um, you Neil hear Huntington, from Neil Huntington. Yep. you hear from all the general managers, even around the NFL, they talk during season. Once it breaks up, Jim, I'm right about this, right? St. Right. Vincent, he's done. He shuts it down. Maybe, just maybe, that's the way the general manager and some other people right. get their message through to the media is through their most senior yeah. player is Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not going to sit up here week in and week out and respond to things that Ben says on his radio show. Maybe Ben's a conduit for Kevin Colbert in some ways. It's entirely, entirely possible. And, and again, what do we say all the time? Who's the most powerful guy in that building not named Rooney? It's Ben Roethlisberger. Absolutely. And that was, that was confirmed by a guy yesterday that is the general manager. Yes. 
He pretty much said Ben is more powerful than me with the players. Well, and let's be honest. Everything we've seen over the last two years, look at all of it. Spread it all out on this giant table we have here between all the four of us in this room. And what is the least, the least of Kevin Colbert's worries? It's what Ben Roethlisberger says to the media. I agree with you. Maybe other players might have a problem with it. But Kevin th- Colbert doesn't care. Absolutely zero. And isn't that when other players had a problem with it, right? Or you heard rumblings like AB had a problem mm-hmm. with it. Isn't that what you were waiting to hear from either Mr. Rooney, from Mike Tomlin? And Mike Tomlin has even said, oh, I'm not going to talk about Ben's radio show. But weren't you waiting to hear from Kevin Colbert, in that realm at least? I wonder what they think about what Ben says. Well, they're the only bigger fan is Ron Cook than Kevin Colbert <laughs> yeah. of this radio show. So it ain't going anywhere. And I think it's a way that they see it's a vehicle to kind of keep people in line. And you can have as many criticisms as you want of the way he played on the field at times this year, whether it be the turnovers, whatever it may have been. Kevin Colbert doesn't care what he does off the field in the media at this point. I mean, that's what, what, what he said yesterday, Kevin Colbert was, yeah, keep it coming, Ben, please. Keep keep calling people out. I just want to hear Ben. Me. I just want to hear Ben during week three go. You know, if Kevin Colbert could evaluate players a little bit better, Kevin said we he's wouldn't allowed. Be in this. Okay he could call it. me yeah. out. I'd, I'd love to hear that. Is but, it too um, much power for Ben though? Is yeah. is giving Here, Ben a, 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 a kind of a sounding board? Well, too look, much power. See, I think it's because it only came after the accomplishments that it's okay. Why a general manager would cite the roster that he built as 52 kids under the quarterback is anybody's guess. That cannot sit well inside that locker room. That cannot sit well with the veterans on that team. Think about guys like Alejandro Villanueva. He served in the military and now is a member of the Steelers' offensive line. Guys like Joe Hayden who won Pro Bowl nominations well before he even got to Pittsburgh. He's a nine-year veteran. Any of those guys on the offensive line that seem to really have frustration with Le'Veon Bell, could they possibly view themselves as kids underneath Grandpa Ben Roethlisberger? That just all feels really wrong. And what a bad job by Kevin Colbert. Maybe now we know why he doesn't speak during the regular season. From a baseball front, we're waiting to see where Bryce Harper signs because we know where Manny Machado signed. The San Diego Padres earlier in the week, the Chicago White Sox visibly bummed that they did not come down and be able to land the big fish like Manny Machado. So Rick Hahn of the White Sox front office joined Lawrence Holmes on 670 the score in Chicago And Lawrence asked Rick, what's true and what's not from reports of Machado's contract, out clauses, and what the White Sox offered versus the Padres. Let's listen in. The reports were that your offer to Manny Machado was an eight-year deal worth $250 million with options that pushed it to roughly $320 million. Is that close to being accurate? I am comfortable telling you that, yes, generally that is accurate. Okay. The other thing actually came from our own Bruce Levine, and and he reported, he tweeted out last night that the organization doesn't believe in out clauses. So I wanted to ask you, one, is that true? And two, if it is true, what's the philosophy behind it? 
Yeah, you know that's that's not true. And and I, and I actually texted Bruce uh, late in the evening last night when it came to my attention that that was out there because unfortunately the you know yesterday was a tough day and then the baseball gods had a little added twist in store for me and that it happened to be the day that all GMs uh, have mandatory media availability late in the afternoon. So I got to stand up there and, and talk through the, the our disappointment twice uh, due to the timing of it. And in that afternoon uh, media availability, I was actually asked point blank by one of our, our beat guys whether there was an organizational philosophy on opt-outs. And I said, absolutely not. There's there's not an organizational philosophy. You make the assessment based upon the individual give and take within the negotiation. Now, uh, a couple things along those lines. First, this organization and the Albert Bell deal was actually the first one to ever do an opt-out clause, which obviously was many moons ago, but does so at least the historical precedent. In time, you've seen in the last few ones of these, uh, I haven't seen the one in, in the ultimate Machado deal, but you've seen some of these that have sort of shifted the burden uh, a little bit off of the team in that previously those player options slash opt-out clauses have been extremely player beneficial. If the guy gets hurt, he's going to stick around, or if he underperforms, he's going to stick around, and if he happens to be worth more than what's left on the contract, he's going to opt out and go somewhere else or, or at least get a raise. In recent years, they've become a little more balanced and in that there's sort of a mutual option structure in a lot of these deals where the guy may opt out, but you have the ability to keep them at, at perhaps a higher rate that's already set. Those are certainly preferential to any team, and, and we're no exception to that. But in, at the end, in terms of the, the simple answer, uh, is there an organizational philosophy against all opt-outs whatsoever in any form? Absolutely not. I would love to know about the process of how Machado ends up signing with San Diego from, from the perspective of the White Sox. How much did you know about what San Diego's offer was? We had a we had a meeting with the agent on Monday afternoon, and then Jerry was there personally. Kenny was there, as was I, and we had a very candid conversation back and forth with uh, his representatives about what the market generally looked like. Now, obviously, they're not going to say San Diego's offered me X, and this other team's offered me Y, uh, and we didn't get into the specifics really of the identity of the other suitors. Obviously, a lot of this has has been out there. Uh, seems like more. More than in any previous offseason, you've had uh, the media's had access to uh, supposed offers and supposed interests and supposed meetings. So we did have a general sense of uh, who the other players were, and we also got a pretty direct sense from from his agent uh, about what he felt the the ultimate market was going to look like. And part of those conversations, though, is not just. I got this guaranteed amount of dollars and this guaranteed amount of years, uh, particularly on a deal that you know extends for the, the bulk, if not all, of a decade. There's a lot of triggers involved. There's a lot of pressure points ranging certainly length and guarantee, but also upside, the opt-out that we talked about, no trade, uh, the flexibility, uh, how the payment streams are. I mean, they're obviously complicated triggers, and we talked about a lot of the things that were important to to Manny and, and his wife and, and trying to make uh, them most comfortable to deal. And we talked about what was important to us. And, and ultimately, in crafting the final proposal that we made Monday evening, we felt that we had presented something that protected everyone in terms of upside, flexibility, and as, as, well, as, as well as floor. 
Man, the out clause is a huge part of this. And the fact that Manny Machado got an out clause after just five years, that he gets to reset his calibrations, he gets to reboot after five years if he wants to leave, and if he doesn't, can opt back in for another five years at $30 million per, is an enormous part of the San Diego Padres' offer And you've got to think really weighed heavily in Machado's decision. And finally, in the NBA, Kyrie Irving just keeps being Kyrie Irving. It seems like if it's not discussing what's wrong inside the locker room of the Celtics or saying he apologized to LeBron James or on one hand saying that he was going to re-sign with the Celtics if they'd have him, to the other hand saying that he doesn't know anything to anybody, Boston's finally realized that Kyrie is just a constant annoying headache. And now Kyrie is talking to Kevin Durant and lashing out of the media for making connections. Here's Mutt and Callahan on WEEI in Boston. Greg Dickerson, John Tomasi filling in for the guys. This is the amazing thing is sometimes a player might have a point that what I'm doing is not really important. Clickbait city. When Kyrie Irving is talking to another potential free agent and we're all wondering where they're going to go. Literally, the fate of the franchise is in their hands. They are literally trying to decide how the the the, the Celtics' future or the Knicks' future or the, the Warriors' future. They were literally they hold all the power, they hold all the cards, and there's never a better example than uh, the fans having a real vested interest than they do in this little dynamic. Correct, and it's good for the NBA too. Well, who cares about it's, that? Well, no, because Kyrie says, you know, it's, it, w- w- "What good well, is it for the league?" He just said the fans care. What the hell do you think they care about? You idiot! They care they about. Care. Of course, who's going to play here? Why? Next why year? do you think Kyrie? You're going to make twenty five, thirty million dollars because fans are so caught up in it. They love it, and it's not like someone broke into his apartment and I had know. a spy camera. Yes, right, it's like right. they did this conversation in front of a bunch of cameras, and it, it, right, all you have the to cameras s- were allowed to be. It was a media. Allowed, they were allowed to be in that area. And that's the side, the, the side story to it is you have to be a total dummy if you think the two of them are standing there in front of all the cameras going, yeah, they got two max slots. Yeah, you and me, we got we to gotta, we gotta get there. They got all sorts of time during All-Star so Weekend the, where they can discuss things without anybody else around. And, and by the way, he loves it. He loves it. They love this power, right? They've learned from LeBron. They love this power. Explain to me where the NBA, this is why the NBA is not fun. Why is it not fun? Because people are wondering what you can do yeah, next year. Don't play. Care and then don't play. Yeah, no, here's an idea. Sign, sign a long-term deal. You know, do it. Obviously, you could have done it in the past. You could do it this summer. Sign a long-term you deal. You can shut it down. No, you. No Jerry. outs. No one-year outs. Just no. sign a long-term but, deal. But Jerry, to, to him, he can shut it down. He can say, "Listen, he's a close friend of mine. Everybody wants to know what I'm doing. I'm going to stay in ball. I love it here. I I said it in October. Right. I'm going to sign a long-term deal here in Boston. End of story. I'm focusing on the rest of you know the season. I, I call Shut BS. it down. You know why I call BS on this? Do you really think Kevin Durant's, Durant's one of his best friends? Really? I, I would love to give him the old quiz. Okay, what's Kevin Durant's uh, kid's name? He's one of his best friends who plays on the right. All-Star team. Uh, That's right. what it is. Once a year, they play on an All-Star game together. The other guy... Go to you know the Caribbean together. Yeah, no, they might. I mean, they look, at, look, no, look at look at no wait a minute. Look at LeBron and D Wade and Chris Paul riding the banana boat. And the, the, a lot of yeah, that's that, all for those sure. guys are very close. Okay, do you think Kyrie knows the names of Kevin Durant's kids? Yes. Do you think I'll he knows? Say, I'll say kids, yes. I have no idea. Do you think I'll he say. knows when Kevin Durant's birthday is? Yes. I'll say no. 
No, no chance. No chance. <laughs> Although, do, really, do you know your friend's right. birthday? Do you know Mutt's yes. birthday? When's Mutt's birthday? I, I know my friend's oh, birthday. Yeah, sorry. That's just Kyrie. Makes a lot of something out of a lot of nothing every single day. There's always something to talk about with Kyrie Irving because he doesn't know when not to talk. Kyrie always assumes he's way more interesting than he actually is and way deeper of a thinker than he actually is, and that's what oftentimes gets him into trouble. That's the best in your sports talk for Thursday, February the 21st. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.